Good morning. Oh, isn't this an awesome, wonderful day? <clears throat> no complaining in the summertime about how hot it, wa it gets, you know. You'll remember days like today. It was, uh, well, when I got up this morning, it was 14, minus 14 degrees at my house, you know. So, uh, boy, helps you appreciate your heat a lot more than, we take it for granted lots of times, you know. Uh, also, uh, Benjamin contacted us last night at the end of the service here, and we chatted with him a little bit, and he said to tell everybody he said hello. They were out, you know, uh, creeping into the hurricane, uh, you know, tossed around seas and, and things like that, and uh, they diverted, you know, to an undisclosed location to have some uh, ship repair and things like that. So he said, y'all guys, keep praying for him, you know, and just to tell you hello. So you have been told hello. So pray for him. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, <clears throat> we started last week talking about settle for less or receive God's best. And I think we all know people in many different areas of their life who have settled for less in some area. And they didn't really receive the best, you know. And the analogy we began to make last week is like the quarterback is like Christ, you know. And the playbook is like our Bible, you know. And uh, they have a huddle. The quarterback, he gives instructions based on the playbook. And a, a receiver, you got a wide receiver, he follows instructions of the quarterback. He runs out there. He's in a certain location, in a certain position, he turns around, boom, he receives the ball. You receive the ball, you proceed, make touchdown. You know, and that's important to win a ball game, but it's so similar to what we do. And if you want to receive God's best for your life, you got to be in the right position. If you're over here out of bounds, is the quarterback going to pass you a ball if you're out of bounds? Why not? You're out of bounds. It's a waste of a, a pass. There's no good can come from it. You're out of bounds. It don't count. You're disqualified, you know. And if we find ourselves, you know, out of bounds, the, the playbook, which is God's Word, tells us where we ought to be. And it might be in regards to forgiveness. You might have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, you're out of bounds. You're not going to receive God's best. He tells us. We've got to forgive others so we ourselves can be forgiven. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it's uncomfortable to do it God's way, isn't it? You've got to forgive somebody that you really don't want to forgive, you know. It says, turn the other cheek when somebody slaps you. It says, bless those who curse you. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, you know. The quarterback told you what to do according to the playbook. There's opposition. There's big guys standing in your way. And you're having to push through that and, and aggressively receive aggressively it's not just a little passive thing well god's going to get to me whatever he wants to get to me no there's opposition that fights against us you ever sensed it that there's there's forces of darkness working against you so you cannot receive the best that god has for you <clears throat> listen to what it says here in the book of john you know uh, and and that little cliff did anybody see that cliff live the one i just showed up there it was the steelers uh, some of you did all right, Steelers and the, uh, the Raiders and all. And the 
last five seconds of the game. Five seconds. I heard that the owner of the Steelers was in an elevator going downstairs because he knew he'd already lost. He missed that, you know. In the last five seconds, the ball bounced off of uh, one of the players into this guy's hand. He's really not the guy who's supposed to be running in the first place. And he, you know, goes down there, wins the game because he was in the right position. He caught it. He made a touchdown. Are you and I that aggressive to receive God's best, to do it God's way? Be on the lookout all the time for the blessings that God has for us. Uh, <clears throat> in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, and this is Jesus talking, he says, the thief's purpose, and we know the thief is the devil, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy, so you and I will settle for less. And he will bring up all kinds of crazy things so you don't receive the best from God. The, the devil will do his best to get you out of bounds because he doesn't want you receiving God's best. Jesus says that these purposes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, my purpose is to give them, talking about you, a rich and satisfying life. So we'll receive God's best. A rich and satisfying life. Another translation says an abundant life. Another translation says a life in all of its fullness. So you and I can receive God's best. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, in the New King James it says, When Jesus departed from there, I mean, he'd been doing miracles, you know, it says two blind men followed him. Can you, can you picture the scene of two blind men following somebody? They had sidewalks in those days, and there were stones all around, everywhere. Uneven terrain, you know, people walking around. Can you imagine what it took for these two blind men to follow? They can't see what's going on to follow, you know, Jesus. So it says these two blind men, they followed Jesus crying and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. They had been hearing about what Jesus had been doing. The miracles that he had been doing, and they were determined they weren't going to let him get out of their range. So he said, uh, Son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28. And when Jesus, when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Imagine, they're saying, well, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Well, he went in that house over there. Oh, okay. You know, they're bumping into things, but nothing stopped them. They were aggressive to receive God's best. And when, they, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, he finally stopped and spoke to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? See, he turned it around. What if he asked you when you're praying about things? What if Jesus actually looked at you in your eye and said, Do you believe I'm able to do what you're asking for? Well, no, not really. Would, would that be what you'd say? But really, do you believe that the things you're asking God for and to do, do you believe he's able to do it? Well, this is what happens here. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Didn't take them long to think about it. Yes, Lord. We've been hearing about what you're doing. We heard you preach one time, and we've been hearing all the miraculous things you're doing. We believe it. Why in the world would we have been stumbling through the streets and found our way here if we didn't? 
you know. And then, verse 29, then Jesus, then he touched their eyes, saying, he didn't say be healed, be restored, did he? He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. We found out that they really had faith. Because Jesus said, what you're believing and what you're expecting, may it be so. What if one of them hadn't really believed it? He would remain blind. And then he touched her eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, what if Jesus came in and sat down right beside you today at some point in time? And he says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Would your prayers that you've been praying, would they be answered? But some of you are not sure. Are you really believing, honest to goodness, believing that God can do this? Are you really expecting him to do it? Because he said, according to your faith, well, well, what if I had a little faith meter today and I was to go around and, and check all of you and see how much faith you had? Oh, there's 100% with him. Oh, there's 12% with him. Yeah. 45%? Oh, here's minus 14. That's what the temperature was at my house when I got up this morning, you know? But if, if your faith is less and you're really having a hard time believing for God to do the best, is there anything you can do about your faith? Yes. Two of you understand that? Cool. <laughs> what about the rest of you? You just frozen or what? <laughs> the Bible says faith comes by hearing God's word. So if, if your faith is around minus 14 or even if it's 50%, he says faith comes by hearing the word. So if you're reading the playbook, you're hearing God's word, you're into his word, and you read it and you hear it, you hear it taught, you hear it on the radio, you hear it on the tape, you, you read, you study. Faith increases. He says faith comes by hearing the word. You, you'll never read God's word without your faith increasing. And some of us need to spend some time increasing our faith because when Jesus says, according to your faith, some people set up a list, well, I just got little faith. That ain't nothing to brag about. It's not nothing to brag about because it's telling us you're not spending much time in his word, you see. We spend time, uh, you know, surfing and watching and entertaining all kinds of things, but God's word, it always produces faith in the heart and the, the mind of a man or a woman who will give time to it. Anyhow, it says in verse 30, because he said, according to your faith be done unto you, and their eyes were opened. They received. It takes faith to receive God's best. It takes faith. Quarterback says, run long, turn to the left, the ball will be there. You're running long, you're pushing people out of the way, you're dodging this, and you turn left, boom! You believed him, you received it, you stepped over, you made a touchdown. We must believe and, and do whatever we can to increase our ability to believe. It's really about being in the right position that the quarterback wants you to be. Being in the position the playbook tells you to be in, not being out of bounds. Out of bounds is being somewhere where the Bible says you ought not to be. You know, don't be over there, whether it's in fear or anxiety or worry or unforgiveness or 10,000 other things. We need to be in the position where we can receive from Almighty God. Okay, let me read you uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, once again, out of the Amplified Bible. It says here, the thief, comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have 
and enjoy life. The devil wants us to believe that God's up there for a big stick, and when you step out of line, boom, 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 like God's just banging us on the head. That is a lie from the pits of hell. God wants you to have and enjoy life. He says here, Jesus, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. God wants his riches, his satisfaction, his blessings filling you up to where it overflows because that is a good advertisement for him. It's like, well, look what God did for me. And God is no respecter of persons. If he'll forgive me and he'll bless me, he'll do the same for you. That's the good news so everybody can hear about the goodness of Almighty God. <clears throat> and that's what he wants. Settle for less if you want, <laughs> but I encourage you, receive God's best. Be in the position that he tells us in the playbook to be into. Now, you remember... Um, what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, when he was there praying, he was saying, Father, if there's any way for this suffering to pass me by, oh, may it be so, comma, not period, but not my will be done, but your will be done. You remember him praying that? That's what he was praying. And the truth of it is, in this day and time, some folks would much rather have it the Burger King way. Now, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the commercial that was years ago, and it goes, have it your way. Na, 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 na. Anybody remember that commercial? It means you're old. <laughs> I remember it. We debated last night whether it was McDonald's or Burger King, and I got all these texts from everybody sending me video clips and pictures. It was awesome. It was Burger King, okay, who said, have it your way. But I'm going to be honest with you. With burgers, maybe. But with the rest of life, let's just do it God's way. That's the way that comes with the guaranteed blessing upon it. Um, now, there's a holiday upon us somewhere this weekend. I'm trying to remember <laughs> when it is. Um... It'll come to me sometime in the next few days, I'm sure. But there's a holiday. So for this holiday that's upcoming, does anybody remember when that is? President, yeah, President's Day. There's another one. When's Valentine's Day? Today? Oh, no. Which one's more important, President's Day or Valentine's? You might better say Valentine's. Okay. All right. Thank you, brother. Now, here's a, a, a verse for those of you who are married, those who want to be married, those who want to be an encouragement to married people, those who want to understand the position that God wants you to be in. So let me read it to you. And I'll read you this first verse just to kind of protect myself. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word submit means surrender, you know. Uh, it means to give in to. It's talking about to, to yield. It means to accept. So it says here, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 22. 
22. You got to get my strength and my energy up in case I have to run. <clears throat> it says, for wives, this means submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Probably nothing could get through there and hurt me if y'all threw something. But you got to listen to the whole thing. This is talking about being in the position to receive God's best. Some revolt against God's best position. They choose to be out of bounds. There's not much coming your way there. <clears throat> he says, for wives this means submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's talking about surrender, giving in, you know, uh, yielding, accepting. It says in verse 23, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your own husbands in everything. <laughs> I didn't write it, okay? I'm just telling you what it says. He says, you wives should submit to your husbands, your own husbands, in everything. That's what he said. Do you all see that? Verse 25 says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and he gave up his life for her. So we understand, wives, submit yourselves. You'll never be more submitted to Christ than you are to your husband. If, if you revolt against being in that position... It says, submit yourself unto your own husbands as you do unto Christ. And then he says here, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And, and Christ gave his life. So that means a husband will die to his own selfish ambitions and his own goals on behalf of his wife. I mean, you know, where he's praying, he's like, Lord, I, I really need a new bass boat. But you know what? I'd really rather you give my wife what she wants instead. Does that make sense? And the ladies should be saying, amen. <laughs> and the guys are going, oh, me, you know. Anyhow, says, you know, the, the husband is going to die to his own selfish ambitions on behalf of his wife. My Bible says that Jesus left his riches in glory, and he came here to rescue me. And he, he grew up as a human being, went through potty training, you know, did the whole thing as a human being so he could reach the church. The church is the people, that's us. So we see here how this plays out. Now, because guys take a little bit more effort to learn something than the ladies do, speaking from a guy's position, you know, let me give us another verse and then we'll move on. Hopefully free and not unharmed, you know, by this. But it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding. I mean, they are hard to understand at times. Are they not? Did I say that out loud or just think it? Okay. I'm teasing. All right. Maybe I'll still get lunch today. I don't know. <clears throat> it says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you. Well, she may not be weaker than you too, so you better treat her right. But it says, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner 
in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. The word hindered means delayed or actually just withheld. If you do not treat your wife as you should treat her, you're out of bounds. It, it, at best, you're going to get your prayers very delayed in being answered or very likely just withheld altogether because you're not treating her right. If you follow the quarterback's instructions and, and the playbook, you'll be in the right position and you'll treat her with respect and honor her so you can receive God's best. But if you're dishonoring her, you will not receive God's best. That's just the way it is. And you go, well, I'll just settle for less. You don't know how bad less really is or how bad less can get. But I think we all really, honest to goodness, do want God's best. Regardless of what has happened in your life up to this very moment, we can just do the right thing in all the areas of our life from this day forward. Is that right? Absolutely. And receive God's best in our life. So, all right, let's move forward. Isaiah chapter 55. Does it say chapter 5? Okay, my mistake. I apologize. Just didn't get it changed over the weekend here. The reference is wrong. The words are correct, but it's Isaiah 55. So in Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, and this is God talking, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. He don't think the way you think. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. But you can learn God's ways if you want to. You can study the playbook, and you can, you know, spend time with the quarterback, and you can learn our Savior's ways, and then you can do what he wants us to do, and you can be in the right position to receive the best that God has for you, if you want to. It is a choice. He says, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Verse 9 says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow, they come down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And then he goes on to say, it is the same with my word. I send it out. You know, the same way that quarterback, he sends out that ball. You know, the, the same way God sends rain and snow down on this earth, that's what he's telling us here. <clears throat> here, let me put this up there. Whoops, my glasses. Huh. I need a bigger table here. Stay. All right. If y'all see me getting ready to step on my glasses, tell me to stop, okay? All right, because I can't see them down there hardly. Anyhow, it says, verse 7 says, It is the same with my word. The way I send rain and snow down to water things and produce life. It is the same with my word. I send it out. I send it out. I send my word out. And it, what's that word? And it always produces fruit. Always. When God sends his word out, it always produces fruit. Now, when God sends rain down and hits a big rock, does it produce fruit? Yes, it does. It runs off the rock because it can't absorb into it. It runs off and the surrounding ground gets twice as much water. <clears throat> If the quarterback finds you out of bounds, does, does he just quit playing? 
He finds somebody else who is in the right position. You don't want to miss God's best. So he says here in verse 11, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. If you're out of position, I'm just getting somebody out. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper. What's that word? Everywhere I send it. And he sent his word to you and he wants it to produce and to accomplish and prosper in your life. God wants you to have the best. If you will be in the position and you're living based upon the playbook or based upon the Bible, you're in position and you're not just in a sinful, out-of-bounds place doing it your way. You, you can be in position to receive God's best. That's what he wants for us all. He really does. <clears throat> Isaiah uh, chapter 55, 11. I'm just going to read it one more time. He says, I send it out. That's the latter part. I send it out. It's about his word. I send it out. And it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send. Talking about his word. Proverbs chapter 3, looking at verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord. So you got to believe that the quarterback is right. If the quarterback says, we're going to do this play, and he tells you what it is, means you're running out long, you, you cut across, you know, be ready for the ball. And you go, you know what, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to come, come down this way. I'm going to turn a little spin around this way. I'm just going to do it my way. You're not going to receive the ball. You're not going to receive the, the great blessings. You really will not. It says here, because see, you, you got to believe in order to receive. And here it says trust. That means believe. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on your human thoughts. Your human ways. Well, I think I know better than God. Do it my way, you know. No. That, that puts you out of bounds. He says, trust in the Lord of all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek whose? Verse 6 says, seek his will in all you do. Seek his will in everything you're doing. No matter what it is, like, Lord, what would you want me to do here? Well, what would you have me to do? And everything that you find yourself doing today and tomorrow and the next day for the rest of see God's will. Let me see the playbook. How should I go about doing this? He says here, seek his will. Not just like, do it my way. No. He says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You remember Noah? God showed Noah to do something that was very uncomfortable. So something that had never been done. Build this huge, massive ship in an area up on the top of a mountain where there was no water. And for the next hundred years or so, people come by and go like, what you doing, Noah? Building a boat. There's a flood coming, and I'm building it big enough for all the animals and my family and for you and your family if you want to come. And, and anytime people were bored, they would just go hang out and watch Noah build this boat year after year after year after year. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. But he was in God's position to save his family. And, and everybody was welcome, but they just made fun of him, you see. So when you choose to, to do things by the playbook, you know, God's playbook, and you choose to do something, and everybody goes, what in the world? You, that would never work in a million years. You catch the ball, you step across, you make touchdown. That, that was what that first... Uh, we saw it was called the Immaculate Reception. 
That's what it was called. In the last five seconds of the game, they made a touchdown. Absolutely. I mean, it looked like the guy who was supposed to catch it dropped it, but the other guy was in the right position. He caught it. Touchdown. Everybody was laughing. To, oh, man, you ah, you know. So, same way with Noah. They thought he was fool. Thought he was a big fool, but he wasn't. He was in the right position. He received God's best. It says in Psalms 32, verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. For your life, I'll guide you. I'm not guiding you along the best pathway for his or her life, but I'm guiding you along the best pathway for your life. Don't worry about what other people... Some people are standing in line blocking. Some people are doing this and doing that. You just do what I tell you. He says, the Lord says, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I will advise you, and I'll watch over you. Then going back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, it says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. With your own human wisdom, your own understanding, your own intellect, you know, thinking that, well, I know better than anybody else knows, because you don't. You don't know what the future has in store, but God does. And God is a miracle-working God. And he can transform things. And it says here, Proverbs 3, 7 says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Do you understand what the fear of the Lord means? The fear of the Lord, according to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, I think it is, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You, you understand that? Because evil can separate you from God and his blessings. It's just like, so I can catch this rascal. This is a real rattlesnake, but it's also real dead, okay? But be careful after the service because those are really the rattlesnake's teeth. I don't know if you can hear that or not. But you know what? If I, if I had a real live rattlesnake and turned him loose in his room, what would happen? The room would be empty. Because <laughs> you want to stay as far away from a rattlesnake as you can. Because it'll separate you from life. And see, if you hate rattlesnakes, you stay away from them. And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So you just stay away from evil. You know what I'm saying? You just stay away from evil because it can separate you. It can hurt you and your family. So you just stay away from it. And he tells us here in Proverbs 3, verse 7, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. It means hate evil. And turn away from evil. Stay as far away from it as you can. And then verse 8 says, then. You trust in the Lord with all your heart? You know? You're not leaning on your own understanding? You, you, know, you have the fear of God, you hate evil, and you turn away from it? He says, then you will have healing for your body. Does that sound good to us? Oh, wow, yeah. Then you'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones, and, and inside your bones is where the marrow generates your blood, you see. Then you'll have healing for your body. I mean, that's, that's being in the right position to receive the best. Healing for your body, he says, and strength for your bones. And then it says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your voice and your hands, Excuse me? Oh, 
Well, I'm sorry. It's right. You can honor the Lord with your hands, with your voice, but this passage says honor him how? With your wealth. That means your offerings. Honor him with your offerings, with your wealth, and with the, what's that say? The best part, which some translations, and rightfully, accurately so, in the original language, it means the first part, or the first fruit. Give God the first. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, your offerings, and with the best part, the first fruit, which means your tithe, 10%, of everything you produce. He's talking about a tithe. He says, if you'll honor the Lord with your wealth, your offerings, and with the best part, which is your tithe, the tithe of everything that you produce, then he will fill your barns. Does that have a positive sound? Fill your barns with grain? Does that sound positive to you? I mean, that's receiving the best. It's like, Honor. If, if I refuse to honor God with an offering, now that's beyond what I have to, but I, I'm, I'm touched. You know, last week we, we took up an offering. Do you all remember that? We rarely take up one. We took up an offering for Eric Kastner, who was down in California. He's running a marathon at the Dream Center to raise monies to rescue uh, young girls who have been caught up in sex trafficking. It's a very noble thing, and, and, and we raised... $2,000 that we committed to him. And there are hundreds. Yes, give yourselves an applause. And there are hundreds and hundreds of people running these races and raising funds. Are those little girls who have been kidnapped and put in and, and made into little prostitutes, are they worth our investment of time and energy? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt they are. Well, we did that last week. That was, that was an offering that we sent them. And it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. That's an offering. And with the best part, that, that's your tithe, of everything you produce, then he'll, he'll fill your barns. I'm talking about you'll, you, you, you'll have a rich and a satisfied, you'll have everything you need to do everything that God has called you to do. Now, we're going to read a, a couple of passages out of the book of Malachi. So sometimes we have to do something that's, that's uncomfortable, to be in the right position. There's, there's opposition and Sometimes, even for me, it's been uncomfortable to talk about these passages, but because people misunderstand them. But you've got to be patient. You've got to hear what God's saying to us here. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Should people cheat God? Question mark. Should they? No would be the proper answer. No, they should not cheat God. He says, But yet you have cheated me. But you ask, Well, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God says, you have cheated me of the tithes, the first fruits, and offerings due or payable to me. You're under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. And then he goes on to say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And people... Well, why should I have to do that? How will the good news be expanded if, if, if the good Bible-teaching churches are not doing the good works, if they're not able to pay the light bills and, and, and establish awesome works in Ethiopia and, and support and, and rescue girls who have been caught up in sex trafficking and, and shared with people who are down and out and share the gospel? If, 
if the Christians don't pull their resources together, how would it ever happen? Well, God will figure it out some way. Well, he did figure it out, and this is his way. He says here, you're under a curse for the whole nation. No, in verse 10 it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. If you do, if you obey, you're in the right position. He says, I will open the windows of heaven's army for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then the only place in the Bible that says this, God says, try it, put me to the test. Try it and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you don't have room enough to take in. I suppose I'm in the right position. <laughs> Looks like you're not in the right position. God says, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you're not going to have room enough to take it all in, guys. You know what? I'm going to put this over here. And if you'll do like everybody else, the last two services, at the end of the service, instead of rushing the stage and stuff in your pockets, I'm going to be in trouble with the bookkeeper. <laughs> you can help me pick it up and put it back in that bag. <laughs> this was my window of heaven, okay? Now, let me read it to you again. He says, verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Now, God said this. If you want to find out if God is alive, if he is true to what he says he is, then you do what he says. And if he don't do what he said he'll do, well, then find a new hobby. Turn your back on the church. Stop reading that book. If God's not who he said he was, there's the only place in the Bible God says, put me to the test. Find out if I'll not do what I said I do. Find out if it's true. And he says, and I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then God says, try it, exclamation mark. Try it. Put me to the test. And he says, your crops will be abundant. For I will guard them from, not an angel's going to do it. God says, I will guard them from insects and disease. And your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Says the Lord of heaven's armies, and then all the nations will call you, what? Blessed. You're not settling for less. Oh, there's some people who are going to be out buying. Well, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my way. And you'll receive a whole lot less than if you was in the right position underneath the window of heaven that God's opening up and you receive the best and be blessed. And he says here in verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Now, I want to show you a little testimony from a couple in our church. When they first started coming to our church, they had a bunch of kids. They weren't married. But they learned in the Bible what the Bible said about relationships. They got married. And then they began to learn about prayer. They began to learn about tithing. They had all these questions. I didn't chase them down. They came in asking me, well, what about this? And what does the Bible say about that? And when they would learn something, guess what they did? They acted upon it. Let's just listen to this little testimony. Pastor Ron and I talked about tithing, and um, I ended up having, I was, I'm a contractor, so I, I was working for myself, and jobs come and go, and so you're always kind of got to be careful with your money and what you're spending and things, and you can have great months where you're making a lot, and a couple months where you're not making anything, and so Pastor Ron and I was talking one day, because um, I asked a bunch of questions about tithing, and he said if, you know, you, you tithe all your money and let me know exactly what you know, let me know that you're doing your tithing, and if, and if uh, God doesn't bless you and uh, with more than what you know than what he, what we talk about, he said that he'll take care of me for everything I tithe. And so I was like, you know, of course, Joey. I was like, yeah, okay. And um, I actually did. I started tithing, and then uh, I ended up getting a job where it's steady paying and where I can also do my stuff on the side. So and that all kind of happened right around that same time too. When I was tithing before, I wasn't doing the full 10% and I was, and I felt like <clears throat> I was kind of missing out on something and like it was kind of nudging at me and tugging at me. So I did, I ended up um, doing the full 10% and then probably within like two weeks, the lead person in the um, IT department had given me a call and uh, had expressed his interest that um, he heard from the grapevine that I was interested in the position and encouraged me to, to strongly apply and I applied and they ended up offering me the position which was um, a huge increase in my salary and more time to be home with the kids and um, a lot less stressful. So I've been doing that for the past couple months and it's just been amazing. Trevor is our oldest. He had a situation where it was like a huge scare where he failed his eye exam at school and the school nurse had called and said, I think you really need to take him to the eye doctor. So um, I brought him and when I watched him take his eye test, he aced it. And the eye doctor kind of, you know, like nudged me and was like, yeah, look at him, not the screen. And he, he was like literally like this. And he was, he was cheating on his eye exams for seven years. They weren't sure exactly what it was. They thought it was just scar tissue and that that was the end of it and he was just legally blind in his left eye and that was it. So two days later the eye doctor called me and said you need to see an eye doctor immediately. Um, we're going to set you up with a retina specialist. We're not sure if it is Coates disease or if it's um, a tumor or a retinoblastoma. So that was pretty scary and I remember um, I confessed my sins and you know totally was praying for Trevor and our family and everything else. Many and prayers. Yes, and um, fortunately, you know, our prayers were answered. It was not a tumor, but it was Coach's disease, um, which is a condition where the lipid deposits in your eye leak out in the blood vessels and they cover the macula and they pull over the macula, which is where you get your central vision from. And eventually what could happen is that if it pulls out too much that they could have to remove the eye and 
um, stuff like that. But the, the worst part was over. We knew it wasn't a tumor, so it was like, fine, we'll deal with whatever the case may be. And then we got a huge scare. They thought that what was happening in one eye, which rarely happens, was going into his other eye. And um, again, I, Trevor was in the room. I kind of excused myself in the room, walked into the next room, got down on my knees, prayed then and there, and was like, I promise I will, you know, I will stop doing everything that I don't feel is right. Obviously, there's a reason why something's not right. I mean, to the doctor shock, he was like 90% sure that it was in his other eye. And he did the pictures and he said, this is so strange, it's not in his other eye. And we were just like, mm -hmm. thank you. Every now and then we'll do like, just say, Trevor, cover your eye, you know, you'll see if what, and uh, he actually gained even a little bit better sight out of the uh, the bad eye. His peripheral vision was back. His um, he's able to read the E on the chart now, and if they flip it sideways, they can tell it's like a W. So he's gained vision back, which I think the doctor's extremely shocked about. But we yeah. definitely know why and where it all came from. Yeah. So putting everything into play that we have, you know, that Pastor Ron and the other pastors have taught, they have been teaching us and showing us and uh, just actually doing it and just seeing the miracles work, you know, from doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it's been working. Prayer and tithing. Yeah. <laughs> I, people think it doesn't work, but it's, it's yeah. really does. I challenge anyone to do it. You know, <clears throat> this paper really don't mean a whole lot. Because there's lots of blessings that God sends our way that money can't buy. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's things that doctors cannot do. There's things that in, in your relationships and your emotions and in your families that money cannot change. So we need to understand that we want to be in the right position. We want to forgive those who we've been, you know, bitter against. And, and, and we want to be in the right position. We, we want to be generous you understand that it, it's very hard to receive god's best when your fists are clenched at somebody or just that you're not going to be generous but when we open up our hands and we're prone to give an offering that's something that we don't owe but out of the kindness of our heart or uh, to, to give god the tithe and the tithe is not a gift you need you understand that a tithe is not a gift you go to a grocery store and you buy something that costs $9, you give the cashier a $10 bill, you expect what in return? A dollar back because that's yours. And God always gives us 10% more than we deserve. He just does that because he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to be a part of the team. He wants us to understand where all the blessings come from. And you can settle for less and you don't have to be generous and you don't have to forgive other people. You don't have to be kind. You don't have to give an offer. You don't have to give a tithe. You don't have to turn the other cheek. You don't have to, you don't have to but you can settle for less in your life if that's what you choose to do so. And you go, well, I want it my way. But I want you to understand the playbook. What it says in God's Word is the best way. It attracts and it puts you in the position to receive God's best. And it's not just paper. You know, there's so much as paper cannot do for you that we need God's blessings <clears throat> upon our life. We really do. Well, you know, our time is about away from us here, so let me just read one final verse to you. It's found in the uh, book of Joshua. And, and let me reemphasize something here. 
when someone is there for ask, when I've taught on tithing, which is rarely, and uh, when people ask me, I've always included this. I say, listen, you start tithing. You know, let me know that you're going to do it. And you start tithing, and if God does not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you in such a way that you know it, you come and see me, and we'll talk to the bookkeeper, and she'll give it all back to you. Is that a pretty good deal? So how in the world can you do that? Because God said it, that he said, put me to the test and see if I don't. And in 35 years, I've never had anyone who came back and said, I want it back. I've had people come by the hundreds and say, Pastor Frank, you wouldn't believe what happened. And I'm going, try me and see. I've been, you know, applying this principle since I was 10 years old when my mama taught me about it. You know, I've been applying this to my own life. And, and God has always been faithful to what he said. But here's the last verse we're going to look at. And it's in Joshua chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 8. It says, now, how many of you have a Bible, at least one? Did you know the best place for the Bible is not on the coffee table? Open. And you dust it before company comes over, but that's not the best place for it. Have it on your nightstand or have it close to you somewhere where you'll use it. And it says here in Joshua 1, it says, study this book of instruction. And that's what the Bible is. It's a, it's a, a playbook. It's a book of instruction. It says, study this book of instruction annually. Oh, continually. I wonder how many days out of the week that means. Oh, well, it explains it if you continue on. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. That means to ponder it, to chew on it, to daydream about it, to mumble it, to speak it out. He says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it. <clears throat> chew on it. See how this relates to you. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything. Study it, meditate on it, so, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. And listen to what it says here. Only, what's that word? Only then will you prosper and succeed. Where? In all you do. If you can go home today and you're in God's right position and you're right with God and you're going to bake a cake, you know, you're going to succeed making a cake. If you're trying to make a family, you're going to succeed in making a family. Being a wife, being a husband, having a business, whatever you do, he said, if you'll study this book, you'll chew on it and make it relevant and take it in and speak it out. He says, so you'll be sure to be able to obey it all. Then you will prosper and succeed in, what's that word? All you do. Now, I didn't write that. This is God's word. And you can... Settle for less out here out of bounds if you want to, or you can receive God's best. Be underneath the windows of heaven when he opens them up in regards to tithes and offerings. But you'll be in the right position when you forgive and when you pray and all the other things that you learn in the playbook. Do it God's way. A lot of people say, oh, just do it your way, like Burger King did. And that's not the way to succeed. You find out what the playbook says, and you do it. This is an awesome passage in the whole book. We've got to stop here. There's so much we want to talk about. 
But we've got to stop here. We'll continue this next weekend, but it's so important. Do not listen to the devil. Don't settle for less. Don't be motivated out of fear or worry or anxiety. Choose to follow the quarterback's instructions. Choose to, to apply what the, the playbook says. Be in the right position, and you will receive God's best. And God's best, he wants you to have a rich and a satisfying life. He wants you to overflow, so you got more than you could possibly use, so you have to share it with other people, and they'll go, why are you doing this? And it's because of what Christ did for me. And it's an overflow of God's mercy and his grace and his love, so other people will know that God loves them and cares about them too. And he genuinely does. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for all the good stuff you've blessed us with in our lives up to this point. We thank you for being there for us in our times of need. Thank you especially for forgiving us of our sins and giving us another chance. Thank you especially, Father, for giving us your book, your word, so we can have as much of it as we want. We can study it, and we can chew on it and meditate upon it. We can apply it. So we'll always find ourselves in a position to receive your best. So we shall prosper, and we shall succeed in everything that we do, as you said so in your word. Lord, that our lives would honor you. Not that we would promote selfishness, but so our lives would honor you. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you and be part of your team. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to, to join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm your faith in Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never welcomed Christ into your life, but would you join us as we pray and let Jesus come into your life for the very first time today. Let's pray together right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe you've got great plans for my life. And even in the difficult times, the best is yet to come. I am determined to obey you, to do it your way, to be found in the right position. I don't want to live out of bounds. I want to do it your way. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe he died in my place. And he paid for all of my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he offers eternal life to all who would receive him. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior, as my Lord, as my soon-coming King. I choose to follow you and to turn away from evil. In Jesus' name.